0: Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Hole. In Season 3, we are running the gamut of all of our favorite artists, bands, and albums. Uh, Today, we have landed on my nomination of LCD Sound System's second record, Sound of Silver, released in 2007. Uh, This is Mark speaking, uh, host, co-creator, and uh, captain of all things uh, Pod Like a Hole, but when it comes to... Basically anything besides hitting record and doing notes and listening to the album and preparing for it, that's pretty much all that I do around here. The real work done behind the scenes is always done by my fellow compatriots, my fellow co-creators, my fellow co-captains. But first, let's hear from Eric. Eric, tell me what has been happening in your neck of the woods.
1: Right, well in anticipation of this one, I definitely put together a little house party, couldn't get Daft Punk, got Whitetown. Whitetown was played at my house. It's great. Good timing.
0: Not too bad. I mean, uh, Whitetown is uh, probably adjacent to primitive radio gods, so uh, I don't know. You can basically pick your poison on either one of those acts. Um, And then on the other corner, we have Steven, who is fresh from a fresh move where he's sitting around crates and boxes, and he's probably recording from a milk carton. Um, so excuse his uh, sound quality tonight, because his microphone probably got lost in one of those uh, crates that is where also the Ark of the Covenant resides. Um, but Steven, why don't you say hello to your people?
2: Yes, hey, hello there. I uh, I, I, I don't know where anything is, and I don't know where I am. I've... I've been all over the great state of California in the last two weeks and also tried to move from uh, one house to the next with a one-year-old and a five-year-old. And uh, it just so happened my parents were out of town at the same time, so they couldn't even watch the kids, which I think uh, is not a coincidence. And um, I went to a funeral for my grandfather last Friday. And uh, there's actually a very good memorial. He was 86. It was fine. He was basically a Jack London character, and everybody that spoke about him uh, said so, including myself. He taught me how to say "God damn it." But also, I've been moving this week, and some people have said that sometimes moving with the family is worse than dealing with a death in the family. And uh, I can verify that. Yes, it's uh, it's never ending. Uh, the children don't help. Only one parent can move things at a time. Everything is not where it's supposed to be, and uh, every routine we have with these kids, which isn't much, our children are like the goddamn lost boys in the uh, hook, is out the window, and it's been a very long, long couple of weeks, but I'm glad to, to make time to record tonight, so uh, bear, bear with me though, as Mark said, is uh, what, what is this, uh, we're under construction, so things are a little dusty.
1: This is like your coworker that has that that plaque in her cubicle you know bless this mess
0: (laughs) and she always works in either hr or accounting um but no it's uh i'm glad you're with us steven i mean moving in this sort of heat and horrible air quality we have in the sacramento central valley along with two young kids probably underfoot as you're moving heavy ass furniture i mean it's it's a stew of probably someone getting yelled at that's all i'll say and, it does. Uh,
2: I actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, and also an, a geriatric dog that's underfoot, they can't coexist with a one-year-old, and, and unless they're in the right circumstances, um, I find myself getting angry at everything and just feeling like a bad parent and a bad pet owner. And I have to remind myself. My wife does remind me of this that uh, this is not normal to be doing all this stuff at once. So don't look at myself like I'm full of character flaws. It's difficult. Nation.
1: Oh, 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 oh,
0: your and well, that's good. I mean, I uh, always respect a man who tries to put his life on a very difficult or impossible mode just to see if there's a different cutscene at the end. So, uh, you know, hat tip to you, my friend, uh, yes, hat tip to you. All right.
2: I gotta, I to ask you guys a question. This is out of nowhere. I'm going to ask it before I forget. When I drove up to Shasta for that funeral last week and I drove back, I, I, I specifically was asking myself, I was like, Hey, I want to put an album on just by myself that I have, that I know all the words to, and I can just drive back and scream into the top of my lungs. And that album was The Downward Spiral. I think you guys are familiar with that one. Um, I've heard of it. When's the last time you guys remember that you listened to an entire album, end-to-end, that you sang along with the entire record
0: for? That is a good question. Um, I mean, I'm sure it was probably uh, a Nine Inch Nails record, and it could be very the same one that you speak of. Um, It could also be Pretty Hate Machine. But, you know, honestly, in this day and age of my uh, uh, attention deficit of just going from one song to the other, like listening to a full record outside of what we do on this podcast, I normally don't do, with the one exception. Uh, Steven has uh, infected me with the Metallica bug, and I have uh, started to go down the Metallica um, uh, hole um, pretty hard core to be honest with you and uh they have a new podcast coming out i'm extremely excited to hear what they have to talk about when it comes to the recording of the black album and um but yeah i would probably say it was likely a nine inch nails record eric how about you oh that i could sing to oh god all the way through from track one to track whatever
2: it could be rap too as well eric you know every you know every verse to uh wu-tang forever
1: sure uh well, uh, probably that... and you
0: also have to sing the n-word parts too, Eric.
1: <laughs> Very. <laughs> that's yeah. That's when I go. Yeah, that's when I. That's when I. Uh, I. That's when I take a sip of my coffee during those during those verses. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that's a that's a good question. You know, I did, I did rock, I did rock a uh the, the Wu Tang double disc. I did not know all the songs, but there there are some songs in there I have solid uh solid down yeah that's a that's a good question i don't have a good answer for you um but uh i can just imagine mark uh singing the uh james hatfield Hell! from start to finish oh they're great by well
0: i mean i i'm not that well versed in the lyrics but when it comes to metallic i know exactly what musical parts are coming um and then you know definitely the air guitar and the air drums are definitely um in overdrive but when it comes to lyric content, I mean, I know your um, "Exit Lights, Enter uh, Nights" uh, type of choruses, but that's as far as I really go when it comes to lyrical memorization with Metallica.
2: No, I know, I know that album. I'm going to talk about that album again probably in a minute. But as far as the lyrics go, <laughs> I always, I, I, I actually never correct myself my entire life, and I, to this day, to today, this today, because I listen to "Understand Man" again today because it's a great song. I always, I always pretend in my head, he says, keep your free throws in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't say that. Good, good advice. Pretend he yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that is, that's good advice. All right. Um, so before we get actually into uh, talking about LCD sound systems history, and of course, the track by track of Sound of Silver, I want to know if there's first anything in the uh, Nine Inch Nails newswire, anything in the, uh, the gamut, uh, uh uh uh, thread anything at all that the listeners need to be aware of and up to date on
2: i got some stuff yeah
0: let's hear it uh first
2: uh everybody's canceled. i mean this is old news by the time they hear this but shows are getting any big tour is getting canceled again it seems uh for the most part um the deftones pushed their their tour to next year again so if you're planning on seeing the deftones this year you're not going to that uh that happened and a few other bands that are on our list that you guys haven't talked, or we haven't talked about yet, they also pushed their tours to next year. Except, oddly enough, System of a Down and Faith No More are still doing a show in October.
0: Yeah, I saw that. And Primus are touring right now, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Well, they already, yeah. you know
2: how many, I mean, there are some cases out there that think the power of Christ or God uh, will protect them from catching Corona. I think the power of Neil Pert may be the only thing that can protect you. So that's, it's almost okay.
0: That's true. They're washed in the blood of Neil.
2: Yeah. Uh, Another thing coming out that, uh, that, that, what was her name? Halsey. And she's, she's got uh, Atticus Mm -hmm. and Trent producing her album. Now, I don't know if we talked about that before. Did we at all?
1: Uh, We mentioned that, that he's producing him and Atticus are producing what the F I can't have love. I'll take power, I think is the name. I want power. The yeah, the and I, I believe
2: they, they released now that there's a release date and a track listing, and I, I believe the release date's sometime in September. Am I am I right? Am I wrong?
1: Yeah, and we got little uh song snippets uh they're they have a movie to go along with it, and they've released a couple little trailers. It looks bonkers. It looks pretty fun.
2: Looking looking forward to that. That seems like a little little bonus. Semi nine inch nails music is always fun. Uh Eric, you sent me something about Robin Fink.
1: You're yeah, right, right. I did. It, I, I T- t- typical clickbait. I sent you the headline, but I didn't read the article myself, but apparently he's teaming up with a a, ga- a gamester and they're, they're, they're making their own video game company.
0: There you go. Yeah. Uh, I imagine it'll be like something out of American McGee's Alice or something like that. Uh, but involving Cirque du Soleil, you know, just, I, I can picture it already.
1: It's just crazy taxi sequels. I read this week
2: or I was listening to a podcast about American McGee, that's yeah, funny, but uh, yeah, American McGee's Alice with uh, Chris Renna doing the music, right?
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: And apparently, like, American McGee, barely anybody knew who he was. He was like a 16-year-old that did some produ- some some design work on the uh, the early Doom games, mm-hmm. um, and they don't know why, no one's really sure why they put his name on the game, but uh, somehow by doing that, people were just like, oh, American McGee, well... If his name's on here, it's got to be good. And uh, it worked. This year, 25 years later, we remember that game. So I,
0: I know. I always think of it as American McGee's Alice, and I'm like, yeah, okay. No idea, no context of who the fuck that was. It could have been just a word salad. It could have been a, a conglomerate of uh, you know, some corporation. And okay, that sounds pretty edgy.
2: Yeah, it was like it was like the equivalent of uh, you know pretending you heard about a movie because uh, it makes you sound smart. And they've just they ended up selling a bunch of video games doing that same thing by slapping that guy's name on there.
0: That's I respect it. It's a good move. Well, it's an alpha move.
1: Their video game company is called Eyes Out, and it's Robin and Corey Davis. Corey Davis did a psychological horror game in 2016 called Here They Lie, and this is their this is their uh, their joint project. So there you go.
0: Speaking of Here They Lie, uh, it looks like, you know, a fallen soldier has befallen us. Um, and uh, I think Steven is the, uh, the person to talk about the uh, death in the metal community.
2: Yes, yeah, sad news. Sad news with uh, Joey Jordanson from Slipknot, among other things. Uh, some of the other acts he was in afterwards were called uh, murder dolls. He also played drums on a ministry tour, and I would love to find a, a bootleg of that. But uh, yeah, he was a Slipknot drummer. He was one of the original founding members. He was in the band until uh, da, 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 like 2013, I think. Was,
0: uh, was there any reason why he had left? Do you know? It's
2: always been it's, it's been unclear that uh, he did have a. Uh, A a disease that I can't pronounce, which is similar to MS.
0: Uh, So kind of a health issue. Gotcha. Yeah, but also
2: he had addiction issues, as a lot of people do. And a lot of people in Slipknot do. I mean, Paul Gray died as well from an overdose. They're one of their bass players. But he's a great dude. He was a little short guy, long black hair. He could just drum like crazy. And a lot of people, like, those are really Slipknot albums. Even though they were quote unquote new metal, they really weren't. And his drumming... Like, yeah, okay, they've got three drummers, but they only have like, they got one drummer and the other guys are like banging pipes off fucking, uh,
0: yeah, like percussionists. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And just his drumming skills really brought heavy metal drumming to the mainstream like blast beats and all these crazy, crazy, just, just, just these drum fills you couldn't believe. And, uh, he was by all accounts, a really nice guy. He made a lot of time for the fans. He was on some great albums. He was a hell of a drummer. Uh, you can't, you can't, I, I stand by every Slipknot album, but the drumming on those early albums is amazing. On Iowa, especially, it's just, you can't, you can't get, you can't beat it. Everyone that's spoken of him has just talked about how great of a dude he was. I think he was only like 46 years old, maybe 43. He's was pretty young and um, he died in his sleep. No one, you know, who cares why? It doesn't matter. Uh, he, he left this world and it's too bad. He's, he's a, a hell of a talent and he will be missed. But Hell of a, hell of a artistic legacy. Those early records are something else, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, I initially wrote off Slipknot when you tried to introduce them to me, uh, years past and, you know, I only came around to them recently, probably within the last year and a half. And, uh, there, there's some good stuff in there. I mean, for, um, someone who grew up listening to a lot of faith, no more, I I feel like there's a through line. Corey Taylor seems like a really like stand-up guy. Um. I haven't listened to any of Stone Sour, but he recently guest appeared on uh, Tim Heidecker's Office Hours, and they had a great rapport. Like, uh, even though Tim Heidecker probably doesn't like uh, Slipknot, there was definitely some mutual respect there. Um, And, uh, yeah, Slipknot, I mean, I got to tell you, um, Joey Jordanson's drumming style definitely stuck out to me uh, pretty significantly. So here's to a real one, I guess, right? That's right. So other than uh, LCD sound system of what we've been preparing for, uh, let's hear about some of our plugs in our award-winning segment, Plug Like a Hole. Eric, what, have you been, what do you want to plug? What have, you been, uh, what have you been consuming lately?
1: Thank you. Thank you. So the, 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 the reports are true. The show Reservation Dogs is great. It's a great time. It kind of reminds me of why I like that movie Friday so much. It's funny, but it is gr- gritty and kind of realistic. Like you feel like it's a lived-in world that they that they've created, and uh, and then they have their little fun crime hijinks, but like with a lot of heart because they want to save their their community. It's or 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 rather, they're being pushed towards saving their community reluctantly. And uh, it's a great it's a great time. Of course, uh, uh, tai, what Taika Wai. Y T T Uh, Taika Y T T Yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. You got there Yeah he's uh anything he touches I'm gonna watch I mean let's be honest I will I will hundred percent give it a give it a oh I'll roll in the hay So um yep solid very good um and then uh listening wise I have just you know been digging into this band White Rings catalog noisy shoegazy times uh we we talked about in the show before but at at, at times with a bit better examples of maybe witch house on occasion but i'm not not often usually it's more in the shoegaze realm um i enjoy them We have a few albums white ring check them out (laughs)
0: Cool, Stephen. How about you? What do you want to plug?
2: Eric, I've been meaning to check that show out. I like, uh, I like indigenous stories in reservation settings, for lack of a better term here. Um, I'll check that out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, uh, I, I think you know, uh, Tyka is like a co-writer and co-creator of it. And I, you know, I don't know much about the other the other person helping the show, but somebody's bringing in some real, like, lived-in uh, experience uh, to that obviously to that to that show it's great
2: yeah as i alluded to earlier
1: i uh i think i'm i'm, I'm just gonna suggest to everyone
2: a little album they might not have heard about called the black album also known as metallica's self-titled album uh it only sold like i don't know nine billion copies or something it's 25 times platinum or some shit i, I as i've said before this, the, ever since COVID hit I got in touch with a lot of my roots as far as thrash metal and just metal goes. More so than usual. And uh, uh, just getting getting in touch with that record, and maybe maybe it's because uh, also my grandfather passing, I was reminded of those summers 30 years ago, walking around Reading with a cassette copy of that album and just listening to it nonstop. And it's a, it's a warm blanket to me, that black album. But also, and and you're seeing this a lot right now, there's a lot of uh, uh, reminiscing going on about that record. There's that podcast you alluded to, Mark, which is gonna be the band talking about that record. Uh, Metallica just put a book out today called the 2495 book, which I need to go buy, and a good chunk of it is about that record. Uh, Next month, there's this box set coming out. All the proceeds from it go, all, all, all the profit from it go to various good causes, and each artist that's on there, they're doing a cover of a of a song off that album, and it's not just like, you know, that that, that album's like uh, 10, ten songs. It's not just ten covers. It's like seventy covers. Like a lot of bands, like five bands do Unforgiven. five bands do I *Understand*, five bands do *The God That Failed*. And there's a lot of black album talk going on, and I'm glad because I feel like that album is almost so good that we forget about why it's as good as it was. We take for granted. Since we've heard Enter Sandman 10,000 times how rocking of a song it is, and it's just a great record to revisit because every song is immaculately produced the writing on that record is very good it's very dynamic it's heavy it's melodic i mean the song nothing else matters can make me cry the song Unforgiven can make me cry Guitar solo and Unforgiven is the greatest guitar solo ever played. And every moment on that album, there's so many moments. Like the clack, 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 clack drums on um, Wherever I May Roam. All those little moments, I've remembered those moments for 30 years now. And I do not know many albums as well as I know that album. And it's been so fun to just dive in again and really just eat, eat it. Eat that record, bite by bite. And I subscribe to all Metallica. I love the early stuff, obviously, and then that's some of the best metal albums ever made. I like the new stuff. Everything except for Saint Anger and maybe Lulu, I I celebrate. And even those two, I appreciate that they have the audacity to do those two terrible sound experiments. Yeah, the Black Album, man, you can't beat it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the converted, probably, anyone that's listening to this podcast listen to that album it's one of the most popular albums of all time you know how good it is but if you haven't listened to it in a while dig it up dust it off put it on turn it up loud and just uh, soak it all in
0: I mean, yeah, if you think about that record, it is a four quadrant record. I mean, not even people who, uh, you know, particularly like metal or even hard rock, um, generally will appreciate some of the songwriting. And, uh, I mean, inner Sandman has played at pretty much every sporting event. Nothing else matters. Holy shit, man. That's, uh. It's a panty peeler. No, I'm kidding. Um, But but there's just some excellent classic songs on that record. I mean, it is timely because it is uh, reaching its uh, remastered. I think, Um, I'm not sure, it it was released in 91. So is that the 30 year um, anniversary? Yes, it's
2: it's the 30 year anniversary. And you're right. In addition to that, in addition to that covers super album coming out, there's also a remastered version of it, which. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, that album, whenever people talk about that record, even if they don't like it, they're like, my God, the production's amazing. Like, they they managed to separate each instrument so well on that record. It's it's pretty mind-blowing. So if they're the remastering, I I certainly hope they got Bob Rock to come back and help with that. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, even though the guy's the guy kind of a goober in, in some respects, the, the story of that album is so fun. We're like, the band and the producer were at odds, and he pushed them, and he pushed them, and they... They got so annoyed with him, but eventually like, you know, through that tension came this diamond of a record. So I, I, hope, I, hope, I hope he came back and helped out with the, uh, the remastering.
0: I, that album is, uh, from back to front, a uh, very enjoyable experience. I mean, um, I'm really trying to uh, uh, start to try to influence my wife into appreciating Metallica, at least at a higher level. I mean, yeah, they've got some ridiculous uh, situations in their career. I mean, the Mission Impossible 2 video that they did, I disappear, <laughs> is uh that's the name of the song, right? Yeah, that is. It's uh it's one for the ages, man. Yeah. It's one for the ages. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: it's got it. that was the last thing Jason Newstead did with the band was that video. What a note to go out on.
0: Yeah. I was just reading the other day uh this quote um like they think we're selling out your fuck yeah we're selling out every goddamn seat in this football stadium or something like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah that was jason newstead <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he was the one after he it, it, I, I love jason newstead he actually he, he actually uh, like many headbangers he can't really play live anymore because he beat the shit out of his body too much from you know whiplash sure and uh yeah i like you know robert Tru- trujillo uh who joined 20 years ago now he's a good fit he's fun but uh i actually thought that like back in the day Jason Newstead was the coolest looking dude when he had, he had the shaved on the sides hair. you know, oh, yeah. the, the safety bullet. He was the one that had it before we did. He popularized that thing.
0: Oh yeah. Our uh, dearly departed friend, uh, uh, Jason Hellowell, um, rocked that same cut. And I always appreciated that
2: fairly certain. He probably got the idea from Mr. Newsted. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, Mark and I will have our Metallica podcast spinoff eventually and eric's gonna be uh the uh the, the third wheel on that one but he'll he'll really enjoy himself absolutely it's gonna be all it's gonna be all about converting eric into a metallica hesher it's
1: yeah be, <laughs> yeah
0: getting up denim back patches yeah
1: i i ha- i i haven't got the bug but you know you guys have sent me a song here and there and if i've had enough if i've had enough beer at twelve thirty a.m on a friday i'll spin a I'll spin a track and uh
0: oh man and I, I'd I, probably I would probably put more effort into
2: that conversion pro project than I would my job. <laughs> <laughs> I would have uh, all these charts and plans, yeah. I'm like all right. A plan Luckily B for fails. you, then, I'm
1: very <laughs> susceptible to peer pressure. Yeah, so just when the times when the time's right.
2: In our text threads, sometimes I'll give Eric shit for being like, "Oh, Eric, anything that's meat and potatoes, you think you're too good for?" It's not really true, but also Eric's also the guy where I can be like, "Oh man, this weekend I just." stayed up all night and filled in this YouTube rabbit hole, listening to this, uh, this jazz fusion band from uh, Helsinki. And they have a, uh, a three-year-old as a lead singer. And Eric will be like, oh, I'll check it out. So that's, uh, you know, it's true. That's true. I, he's I willing, I, he's I, a willing, he's a willing friend.
0: Is that the Colgate hour?
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's the Colgate hour.
0: So my uh, recommendation slash plug is um, I haven't watched the latest one in the franchise, But I tell you what, I have been just shotgunning the Fast and the Furious franchise like it's uh, my uh, second job. And um, I finished Fast uh, Furious 7 today and uh, did not disappoint. Um, I am late to the party, but I am looking forward to the rest of the uh, franchise and it's all about family. That's all I'll say about that.
2: Well, it peaked, it peaked today. That's the best one by far, in my opinion. A lot of that has to do with just how sentimental I am about Paul Walker, by all accounts, was not a good actor, but man, he was perfect for those movies. And that was uh, the last one he was in. And I, I love how they got around him dying in real life by all this. Like, they had his brothers act in it, they put his, digitally put his face over his brothers' bodies. And then they had the whole, like, that whole last shot when the him and Dom are talking to each other and their cars are side by side, they were like repurposing all these old shots from old movies and the effort they put into it to keep things going. You got you got to appreciate it.
0: No, I absolutely respect that. That is something that uh, um, it did give me a little misty. Just the whole uh, retrospective. I, I do appreciate that um, pretty, pretty greatly. And yeah, it's been it was a
2: long day.
0: Without you, my friend, that uh that song was playing. Oh yeah, um, and then of course, uh, Vin Diesel. Um, every time that he talks, I always just want to say I am Groot, um, because he just gives you that same level. Um, it's just it's the Vin Diesel school of acting. Um, I I want to be able to attend that one day and make as much money as he does. Um, so there you go. So it is time to. Uh, Stop beating around the bush and talk about LCD Sound System. So LCD Sound System, this is my pick. Uh, uh, I've always really liked LCD Sound System. They don't have an extensive catalog. They only have really four records. They broke up after their third record. Um, But it is really like a singular vision of one man. And that one man is James Murphy. James Murphy, he's 51 years old. But by the time that he actually formed LCD Sound System, he was in his early 30s. And if you kind of think about it from like a uh, perspective of forming a band, usually that's a uh, 20-year-old game.
2: So you're trying to say it's not too late for
0: you, Mark? It's not too late. It's never too late. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Um, But uh, James Murphy, he was uh, born in New Jersey um, and just really like consumed uh, music, kind of like one of us. And that's maybe why I kind of identify with him. Um, not a DJ by any means, but that's where he essentially started his musical career. He used to DJ from the, uh, using the moniker death from above a little bit later, he met up with another guy named Tim Goldsworthy and that Tim Goldsworthy and him started the DFA records death from above records. Um, a lot of it was very dance heavy but whenever he would do his dj sets he would play um, shit like the stooges uh, can david bowie the fall yes so he was not your typical like edm dj he was trying to do something a little differently
2: also not to be confused with death from above 1979 who was a band that got popular right around the same time Sure confused me more than once. And it,
0: yeah, and the thing about Death from Above 1979, they uh, were threatened with legal action by James Murphy, um, and they have to add that 1979 in there. And um, this is not a to go into any sort of deep dive into Death from Above 1979, but I believe one of the two is uh, uh, an oatmeal brain uh, red hat wearer. Um, I could be wrong, but maybe... Uh, he doesn't have very nice things to say about James Murphy, that I do know. But in recent years, I believe that he also kind of uh, fell off the reservation.
2: Yeah, I think him and, uh, him and Gavin McGannis are hanging out. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, in 2001, Murphy started LCD Sound System. It really started to um, really come into attention. They released a single called Losing My Edge, where... He's kind of monologuing over these kind of dance beats about essentially these younger DJs coming in and kind of stealing the thunder of what he was all about. And uh, it's, a, it's a great track. You can find that off of LCD Sound System's first self-titled record. I
1: was there in nineteen seventy
0: LCD Sound System um, is uh, his main project. I mean, while he was DJing, he formed this band um, in LCD Sound System. He is the singular person, but I would say that over time uh, you had Nancy Wang um, who would be his kind of co-conspirator. She was vocals, keyboards, synths. Um, She's been with him pretty much the entire time. Pat Mahoney on drums, percussion, drum machine. Tyler Pope who formerly used to be in Cake uh, He's a Sacramento native So there's that Chick 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 He was in Chick 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 Okay, there you go um, Are Chick 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 also from Sacramento Or are they just kind yes. of like a? Hey, okay, they are
1: Yeah, the, or the greater Sacramento area Yeah, Yeah,
2: no, enough of them are uh, Sacramento, Davis and Definitely, I'm sure they toured And played in some shows with The LCD sound system They're from that same scene, if you will same sound.
0: Yeah. And then like uh, absolutely same sound. So that sound is very dance oriented, uh, kind of funk, uh, a lot of cowbell in both of these bands. Just not signed to DFA. The dance punk
1: kind of sound, I think, I, I mean, I like it on, you know, especially on paper. It's, it's a, it's a true fusion of like live instruments and like electronic programming. Um, even if you're just like play like a beat and then loop it over and over again, it's, it's based about around repetition. But it's it's not afraid to get a little noisy. Um, yeah, on paper it's good. Definitely had its had its time, um, and then like you know the, the cream rose to the top as far as the the bands with uh, you know staying power.
2: Yeah, but Chick 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 and LCD Sound System were definitely the organic version of that genre. I, I didn't listen to enough of it to be uh, well versed into even how to describe it more than Eric did. But I definitely think that they they were doing a lot more than just hitting a button for dance music. It was definitely uh that's where the funk comes in, I think. It's it's very organic. A lot of it's very live.
0: Definitely. I think L C D sound system is a really good description of how the analog meets the digital. Um they are uh uh definitely dance-based. There's no 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 doubt on some of their early records. And even on the record that we're gonna talk tonight about. I mean, there's a lot of uh, eight minute tracks that definitely just seem to go on and on and on. That, that if you were at Ibiza, uh, these are the glow sticks in the air situations. They're also doing it with live guitars, live drums, uh, live synths. So it's not just some guy at a uh, two turntables and microphone. So I, I do respect that. Just based on some of his um, influences, he's really just essentially putting this meat grinder into, uh, and what comes out, you can absolutely hear some of his influences. Um, and I think that's what essentially captivates me about LCD Sound System. It is almost like you're listening to a DJ set. With original songs, if if that's like uh, the best way to describe this band, um,
1: no, it makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Mark.
0: Can you give us Can you give us a
2: rundown of of the albums that they put out? They put out like how many? Four, five?
0: Four. Yeah. So uh, the first record was uh, released, I think, in uh, two thousand and two, and that was their self titled record. Um, it was a double disc. It had, uh, they're probably one of their biggest hits, which is Daft Punk is playing at my house.
2: <laughs> Daft Punk is playing at my house. My house. I'll show you the. Kid, show you the ropes I Got a bus and a trailer at my house. My house I'll show you the ropes, kid, show you the ropes about 15 cases for my house.
0: Losing My Edge was a big one um Disco Infiltrator um Movement and there's another one tri- uh, Trials and Tribulations or Tribulation I think is the name of the song. Um that's their first song uh, and it came out like a smash. People were talking about it. Our uh, friend of the show Trent Reznor was when they were talking to him about what records he was looking forward to. He cited this particular record uh James Murphy went on to also remix a uh, Nine Inch Nails song called Hand That Feeds. So there is some connection there. Uh, The second thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we all we all got swept swept up with that first album, right, guys?
0: Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. I as soon as uh, I heard about this, I immediately, um, you know, I was extremely excited. It was a day one purchase for me. Um, I was very looking forward to it. I think I saw the video for Daft Punk is playing in my house, which is pretty minimal. But it it scratched a niche for me. I like that kind of uh, shake your ass, uh, but kind of being a little bit more self referential um, about it. I, I that just that uh, uh, equation really just seemed to work for me.
2: What year did that come out?
0: Uh, I think it was two thousand and two.
2: Yeah, I didn't get out with them till a little later. Keep going. I'll I'll figure out where I where I got into them, but I, I don't think it was. I mean, I obviously heard of the first record, but I didn't get into them when that first record came
0: out. Maybe it was. Let me see here. Um, two thousand and five. It was two thousand and five. Sorry. They, I was yeah. gonna say
2: yeah. Okay. Well, then that. Okay. So then let's let's re, let's re let's re reset the timeline here. Yeah. Two thousand and five. Yeah, I didn't buy that album when it first came out, but I definitely got into them only because. I happened to be hanging out in Sacramento and Eric, I don't remember if you were there, but not, no, they were playing at the uh, fool's factory underneath the old spaghetti factory.
1: Right. Right.
2: And, uh, and it, yeah, I was like, Whoa, what's, what's this? And like LCD sound system. Well, that was great. This sounds great, man.
1: I, yeah, I remember you told me about the secret show you went to. I was, yeah, I was a little pissed. I missed that one.
2: Yeah. yeah and it was a secret show that I just like stumbled upon. Like I heard it in the distance and uh, some of the usual suspects were there. And uh, that was the first time I saw them live, and I didn't even mean to, but that was for around this time.
0: That's, that's really to cool. Put,
2: to put it into to perspective here, Fool's Foundation was downstairs underneath an art gallery, a hell of a fire hazard, by the way, and was the size of a coffee shop. <laughs> oh, man. And so it, was, it, was, it was definitely... I don't even know if it was planned. Like, I don't know if they had a show nearby and this was an after party or what, but, uh, that was pretty cool. So that was, that was, that was the first time.
0: Was it pretty loose? Was it a, like a loose, like, was there a lot of banter, a lot of talking to the audience? Like, do you remember any of that? Or nah, it was
2: more, it was more like a, like a dance party that just kept on going. Okay. It kept building. It was, it was a lot of Ibiza moments, if you will. Sure.
1: Uh, I mean Mark, I not to not to go out of order here, but as far as like our experience with the band, like mine kind of begins and ends with this album. I I, I liked it. I liked what they were doing. Like I said, I liked that kind of noisy dance sound. I got to see them live after this album dropped. I think we were all at that show where MIA opened.
0: I didn't uh, go to that show. That oh, sold man. out, but you and um your your wife um right. were are at that show. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I was I was there too. I drove with them. Yep. Yep, he came up with us exactly. So I
0: I went to the the show. Um, I can't remember, It was Juan McLean, another DFA act ah. that opened up for them. Um, I saw them at the Fillmore for that same first tour, that first record, and I never saw them again.
1: Right. Yeah, and it was it was very memorable, very memorable show. Good uh, good stuff. And then for whatever reason, other more albums came out, and I felt like. LCD had said all that my ears needed to hear from them and I didn't check it out. And, and, uh, this, this experience, uh, has shown me the, the air in my ways as we'll get to, but, uh, I, I, I've heard some songs here and there, there were songs that came up on later albums. I was like, Oh, I know this song, but I never made a concerted effort, effort to, 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 to make, make, make time for an album. And, and, and that, that's a fool's fool's decision.
2: Yeah. That, that second, that show that we went to Eric, I have to say it's pretty fitting for this band. Because I felt like I, went to, I liked them, but I wasn't totally into them just because you can't be into everything at all times. And I definitely went to that show because I felt like it was the cool thing to do at the time. And when you're in your mid-20s, doing cool things seems like what you should be doing. But I think for LCD Sound System, James Murphy would almost appreciate that. That's why I went to that second show.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, Heather does mention from time to time that was like the first time she hung out with you, Steve. And uh, she, had, she had heard... Uh, uh glowing glowing reviews of of steve and social situations but you read you just had your nose dug until i think you were reading like the fountainhead or something <laughs> <laughs> like in the car on the way that out was a, that was
2: a bad scene brother yeah that was uh reading the fountainhead probably my small small really small dabbling in cocaine i'll say it That was around that same time it was all just uh uh, just a facade. Uh, hey, what are you? What are you gonna do? I was trying to. I was young and trying to get get some action. So,
1: I also, I also <laughs> think James Murphy would appreciate that too. So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.
0: Okay, so after the release of uh, the self-titled double record that uh, set the world on fire, um, they released a uh a composition entitled 4533 it was part of a nike original run series so it was essentially music made to work out to um now james murphy if you kind of look at him he's not like someone who's physically fit i mean he says it himself the fat guy in the t-shirt who's doing all the singing um i think he just took it as an opportunity to get some sponsorship to make this long form record there's some good stuff on that 4533. Uh there's a song on there that they pull out in the uh, Long Goodbye or Shut Up and Play the Hits, uh, which was supposedly
1: Sorry, sorry, Mark, I want you to finish the story, but just just in your your previous comment. Initially he claimed he timed it to a perfect run and then later he said that's bullshit. I never exercised exactly. Exactly.
0: I mean, yeah, he's not someone who looks like he's jogging too much.
1: I did time it to a little exercise bike, and uh, let me tell you, I got like I got, I got a few pearls of sweat uh, by the time it was done.
2: No, it's not. It's not bad. That's two pop like a whole uh, sessions in a row. That thing's been brought up because Aesop Rock, who we brought up in the we in the Run oh, the right, right, right. uh bit, uh, also did one of those records in that series.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so uh there's a really cool part uh where he has this kind of like soulful like uh shame on you hi- uh, don't hide your love away from me um it's a it's a really cool moment and um i'm glad they sometimes will pull that out when they play live their real true second record is the one we'll talk about a little bit later um that's sound of silver which was released in 2006 uh, or 7 7 i want to say. And it was released with universal acclaim. I mean, uh, Pitchfork Media fell out of their chair. I mean, if you look on Metacritic, I mean, I think it has a score of 86 out of 100, which is extremely high. So everyone loved that record. Um, Didn't win any awards um, uh, in terms of Grammys, but it was nominated uh, for Best Electronic Dance Album. um, And uh, it was also named one of the best albums of 2007 by Guardian uncut and drown in sound, so good for them. And then comes uh, 2009, where they released their third record, which is called This Is Happening, this is also where he wanted to essentially make this their swan song. Um, he wanted to essentially, he, I think, the way that I like look at it, I mean, it, if you watch the documentary slash last concert film called Shut Up and Play the Hits, it, I think James Murphy was kind of getting a little uncomfortable with how big LCD sound system was getting and wanted to essentially just quiet things down in his life. Uh, the constant touring and I think the, just the overall pressure was kind of getting to him. I mean, I don't think that he said that he wasn't having any fun, but I think he just wanted to focus on more things important in his personal life and not feel like not ready to be this this big. Um, I don't know what what was your kind of take on that. I, I know Eric, you watched "Shut Up and Play the Hits." What what did you kind of glean from that?
1: Yeah, well, that was that was, and that's a cool like rock rock doc. For those interested um and inner like they kind of follow him on the day after his final show well at that time his final show what was supposed to be his final show and they then they, then you get your concert footage you know full songs um and then you get interspersed with an interview with uh chuck klosterman klosterman uh, yeah that it. sounds right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um and you know who's a great a great writer great great journalist uh for for rock music um and, you know, they kind of, they kind of, you know, break it down. It's just like you said, he, Chuck was trying to get him to, to bring up the age thing. Cause you know, yeah you, you know, he was old for a relatively new band in his forties. And, um, but I think, I think you, you know, he, one thing he said was he was like aging, like crazy on tour and he'd, he'd get back and, uh, uh, he'd get back from tour and have white hairs and stuff. And he just realized that he just couldn't do the rock, the rock lifestyle. So, um. I, I think that's. I think you you nail you nail that.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a very introspective documentary in terms of the questions that you know uh, Chuck Klosterman was really asking him. Uh, just like why, when you start a band, do you ever think about what it's going to be like when you have to end the band? And just kind of the face expression that he makes, and that is just like a really heavy question because he probably didn't even consider that. Yeah, um, I
1: think one thing one thing that he that Chuck gets at which I, was something that I kind of I kind of picked up on here and there. And I think it's just normal. I think it's natural. But uh, James, like, often was his first kind of go-to in answering questions is what other people maybe think about what he's doing. And even, like, in the live concert, he's like, well, you might think we're putting on a big production here, think we're blowing all this money, but people flew themselves out, you know, stuff like that. Like, uh, and, and Chuck's like, you, you really are a very self-conscious person, and you're always very worried about what other people think about you. And, and James kind of takes that in. Um, as possibly another another layer to the to the ending of the band.
2: I think, what he, I think what he I think what he's concerned about though is that he doesn't want to be perceived as something that's less than genuine
1: I think oh yeah no exactly no and, and he and he is very genuine and you can tell he's a sweetheart um, It's just he, he, he is very concerned about the perception about his about the perception of him and it's hard not to when you're in the spotlight you know
2: If anyone's more interested in how his brain works from the podcast recommending a podcast file, uh, the WTF podcast with Mark Marin had him on a few months ago. And uh, it's a pretty good discussion. And they get into, he, he's very open about some of his um, issues.
0: Yeah, that was a really good uh, conversation between the two of them. I, I really did enjoy that. Very insightful. Um, say what you will about Mark Maron, but I think that he's an excellent interviewer. That just kind of goes right to the heart of uh, the, the question. I, and I, he has this really cool ability to get his uh, subjects to just really open up. Um, I think it's just a very disarming quality that he has. Um, but it was very insightful. I will say this as a fan of James Murphy. Um, I mean, he he's a straight shooter. I mean, he'll tell you exactly what he feels. And he'll tell you exactly what he's thinking. You just got to ask the right question to bring it out of him. Uh, but this is happening. I mean, uh, another really strong, very commercially uh acceptable record in terms of its uh success in terms of its sales but uh in terms of what the critics thought of it they thought that it was again another masterwork and they were essentially leaving a a very high point and a lot of people were scratching their head but like why why quit now i mean you're just kind of getting started but um there was essentially a feeling of finality uh, which turned out to be just more of a hiatus um, because in 20- 20,
2: because the nine channels did the same thing. I mean, not, not as to, um, not, 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 uh, like Ch- we're
0: not going to tour anymore.
2: Yeah. The, the fake breakups. And that's not, that's not like, you know, when all these bands broke up decades ago, learn there is money in reuniting. There was that weird thing with nine channels and LCD sound system where they were just like, ah, I think we're done. And it wasn't even like what, two years later. And they're like, ah, I don't think we're done. <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah, exactly. They did that around the same time. Yep. Uh, I mean, while, uh, there was this official, like, you know, James Murphy went on to the Colbert report and said, no, I'm done. I'm just, I have nothing left to say for the LCD sound system. He did some DJing here and there. He also worked with, um, Britney Spears in 2003. So this is actually pre, uh, the release of the first record. Um, he, he, was working on her record called in the zone. Um, but it just it didn't work out. Uh, according to Murphy, this is what he said. It was very strange. We were both lying on the floor head-to-head, working on lyrics in a notepad. She seemed eager to please, but it went nowhere. She went to dinner and just never came back. Uh, but a leak from that collaboration did appear in 2006. I haven't yet heard it. Another band that we're going to be talking about this season, he also worked on Arcade Fire's fourth record, uh, Reflector. Um, if you listen to that self-titled song on Reflector, you can absolutely kind of hear the James Murphy influence. Um, he also they show did up on work-
1: that uh, that concert video also to sing. Oh yeah, sing, sing backups, maybe play a little horns. On a track. And, and
2: also, if you want to hear more about Reflector, go back into the David Bowie season. It's in there somewhere. We talked about it, didn't we? That's right. We sure we did. did
1: in the uh, the next day album. Yep.
2: Yeah, I, I love because because David Bowie does uh, guest vocals on it. And David Bowie and James Murphy had uh had something that I'm sure Mark will go into in a second. But uh, I I will any chance I get uh shit, Reflector's almost like it's almost like the black album of fucking indie rock to me. I just that album just top to bottom, perfect record.
0: My God. It's, v- it's very good. It's very good. Um but speaking of David Bowie, uh so yes, he did do a remix of Love Is Lost for the next day. Um but he also was slated to be the producer for black star. Um, I mean, he's a huge Bowie fan. I don't know what it would feel like to be a fan for all of these years, only to then have the opportunity to potentially produce one of your records. And especially the last record that Bowie ever put out fell through, obviously went to our good friend, Tony Visconti. Um, but he played some percussion on that record and, uh, I guess it was David Bowie that essentially kicked him in the ass and said, you got to, you got to get your band back together. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's kind of what happened. And in 2015, there was all these rumors that LCD sound system was going to reunite. Uh, their manager was saying, no, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then, uh, at the end of that year, um, they released a Christmas theme track called Christmas will break your heart. And it was a, just a depressing Christmas song. James Murphy had been singing to himself for years. And they recorded it. Uh, they brought back, you know, the uh, Al Doyle, Pat Mahoney, Nancy Wang, and Tyler Pope. And all of them just reunited. And uh, out of that reunification, uh, they started to kind of consider, well, let's make a record. Um, they headlined the 2016 Coachella Festival. And then soon, so thereafter, American Dream came out, and uh, they are still considered. I guess still out there. I know it's been a couple years since their last record, but they haven't officially rebroken up. Kind of like our other band that we talked about, um, Murder City Devils. Uh, So they're they're around. They're they're not touring, obviously due to covid but uh they're still kind of considered a a, a functional act there's no one.
1: to kind of just wrap up my journey in, into revisiting their discography because like I said I knew some songs and a lot of their songs had permeated social media like it had been in TV shows and I didn't even even, didn't even realize it was them because that first record James is doing his like David Byrne talking like like uh, his monologuing on most of the tracks and as we'll talk about in this one he explores singing a little bit and then does a little bit of both and uh, and the last two records he's he's fully embracing you know to a certain degree his his singing um you know with always those moments for his uh, his version of a once in a lifetime um for that for those monologues but um i uh i did like what is it? this is happening um i like songs like one touch and all i want but um looking at him, that one actually i because I, I made a little playlist of my favorite songs off off all of them and i put the least off that one I did put like five tracks off American dreams, which was the, uh, the more recent re- reunion album. Um, especially that, that title track. My God. Very good. Um, a lot of good tracks on that, on that, on that record.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, American dream. You know, I, I really like the track. Um, how do you sleep? Uh, American dream, call the police. Um, those are, um, all really great tracks. Um, they played call the police and American dream, uh, on Saturday night live uh, when they reunited that record came out in 2017 rather than 2015 but this is happening I I I thought that was always going to be my favorite one but I revisited when I went through a quick run through and you know it's uh, it's good but it's kind of a slog at at times Um, and it's got some great tracks on there like dance yourself clean Drunk girls kind of actually grew on me because it kind of reminds me a little bit of Boys Keep Swinging. You, uh, uh, there's one track on there I can't remember the name of it. Um, it really reminds me of Nightclubbing. I think it might be called Somebody's Calling Me, uh, but we're not talking about that track tonight, or we're not talking about that album tonight. All right, let's call that an episode, folks. Uh, we're trying to uh, keep some of these episodes a little short and more digestible Um, getting it just underneath the hour mark I feel that we could potentially put this one in the record books but that should give you enough background into LCD sound system so we'll give you a little time to maybe prepare yourself by listening to the record of Sound of Silver by LCD sound system because we're going to talk about that one track by track on our next episode So as always, we hope that we brought you closer to Pod.